It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 6, 2018. My name is Phil Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. The Orlando Magic taking on the Charlotte Hornets later on tonight at the Amway Center, but we are officially four games from the end of the season, and so I think it's time to to have a little therapy session. I'm joined today by the hosts of the Orlando Magic podcast, Andy Harrington and Steve Garlix. Guys, it's been a while. It has. It has, Phil. What kind of Ben and Jerry's do you have over there, Phil? Uh, I am I am still on my diet. I am still eating my Nutrisystem ice creams. It makes me feel good, and they, they taste better than you think. Don't knock it till you try it. Uh, I, I, I Over the offseason, I lost like 30 pounds. I, I was in the best shape of my life. I was ready to go. I have no clue what happened this season. Hey, I don't know either. <laughs> I, think, I think the magic have made us all... Uh, yeah, a little out of shape, a little out of shape mentally and physically a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's been a rough season, you know, it, I mean, that, that's, that's an understatement. Um, and, and it, you know, it felt like things maybe weren't turning a corner, but it felt like things were going to be a little bit more hopeful at the beginning of the season. But, uh, I mean, going, I, I, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start with this, with this team and this, this year, but, uh, What's what's been the overall takeaway, I guess, from this season as as we head toward home now with only four games left on the schedule? Uh, I mean, I think it's that's just, a big question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you the hard questions, the, the big philosophical <laughs> questions early. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are Philip Ross, but you give the philosophical questions. So yes. Oh, um, I, if I had a bell, I would ding so hard for that. <laughs> Yeah, imagine hanging out with him all night. Yeah, know? yeah, this so it gets crazy. really bad. Um, so, um, I mean, I think I think we all started off like it, it was like kind of surprisingly optimistic, and you know got off to the eight and four start, and we were like, okay, something's working with this team, um, and then it just you know everyone knows the wheels the wheels fell off and and, and just just kind of collapsed um, like a dying star, and and so. It's it's so hard to evaluate that. I mean, obviously something's broken. Something's broken in the culture. Something's broken with this team. Obviously the roster's, uh, you know, flawed, and I think we can all pinpoint that pretty easily. Um, but now we have to move on to other things. Um, is is there a problem with the coaching staff? Is you know, um, is is management doing everything that they can? I mean, I think everything has to be evaluated uh, at this point, and uh, you know we gotta. We got to figure it out because we can't we can't keep doing this. This is six years into this, and um, you know I don't care if it's new management. You know we've got to we've got to have the talent. We've got to start developing something, building some sort of culture, um, getting talent. You know whatever it takes. But it, it's just been disappointing overall. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the hardest part about it all is kind of 
where this roster's at. I mean, it's kind of been the same thing over and over again, um, you know, looking from the outside in. And you can't really put your finger on it, but, you know, this whole season theme was kind of sit and evaluate. And, well, we've sit, well, we've sat and we've evaluated. And I don't know what's next, but I can't imagine it's going to be super exciting for the players and the coaching staff involved, personally, from my my opinion. Because I, I don't think these were the results everyone was anticipating this season. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 Jeff Weltman said that this was a season to evaluate things. I mean, he came in, didn't have a lot of flexibility to move around. And, and you know, I, I take Jeff Weltman at his word that, that he truly wanted to evaluate and give these guys a chance. But in reality, I think that was more of a statement of, I'm not going to be able to move the players on this team. I'm just going to have to sell fans to be a little bit a little bit patient and say, you know, we haven't had a lot of continuity. So now we had some continuity and we, you know, we want to see exactly what we can do. So we've seen what the Magic can do now. I mean, they they got out to the 8 and 4 start and and we all kind of sensed it was a little bit of fool's gold. Um, yeah. you know, I I, I got yeah. yelled at a little bit for pointing out some of the flaws during that time, and I'm just like, hey, I'm just being real. Like this, I think I, I at the time, I thought the team was better, and I thought that the team was taking steps in the right direction, but I knew that that hot start wasn't going to last. And I think what was really telling about this team was that we we the, the problem with the Magic for the last five years is. What happens when they get knocked down? What happens when they take that big losing streak? The Magic have have struggled to pick themselves back up. I mean, uh, you could hear players talking about it, knowing that we the, what's really going to determine our season is how we respond when we're struggling. Like, I, I remember Evan Fournier at one time saying, you know, we started 19 and 13 and then January happened. Uh, and we know, we know that that can still happen. So we're not, we don't want to be satisfied with what we're doing now. But... Then, then we saw, um, you know, I, honestly, I think the, the first point when I really thought things were beginning to turn really far south, the Magic, I think, were 8-6 and six at the time, when they came home after that West Coast trip and got beat by Utah by 40. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I remember tweeting out the, the, the Rob Schneider from Waterboy, we suck again, Jeff. <laughs> and, and like, honestly, like that was a huge turning point. Like I remember I was actually having, uh, having lunch with David Locke, who uh, was the host of locked on jazz that, that afternoon. And he was asking me like, is this thing for real with the magic? And I was like, you know, I don't know if it's for real. I think they're better. Um, you know, tonight they're coming back from a West coast trip. It, it'll probably tell us a lot. And it still wouldn't surprise me if they get beat by 30. I like kind of said it offhanded. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they get beat by 30. And then they get beat by 40 on their home court. And, and it's, they really haven't been the same. I mean, they haven't been the same since the Jonathan Isaac injury in reality, the original one. Um, but they haven't really been the same since that stretch of games. And, and they just haven't been able to get themselves back together. And so, like you guys said, it, it, it feels like, I said this throughout last year too, it feels like the rot is very, very deep with this team. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. that I mean, it's not that they're bad guys. It's not that the players aren't trying it's that it's I don't quite know how to describe it. It's that when the worst happens, that feels normal to a lot of players, and it's no one's. It's not entirely anyone's fault, but yeah. it's really tough to build yourself back up from that from that point. And I think the biggest thing that that we've learned, or that that the new management's probably learned, is that. 
this group as constructed just just it, there's something there's there's a lot of scarring, and and more than anything, the team has to move on from that. So how? So let me ask you a question, Phil. How do you think you know with that scarring? Because I agree with you completely. You know, obviously there's there's something deep here that you know. This, you know, we've changed management, we've changed coaches before, we've changed a few players, but for the most part, some of these players have still been here for a few seasons. Do you think it's time to kind of gut out the roster as best as we can and kind of fill those voids with some up and coming players, younger players who maybe don't have that kind of attitude or those habits to, you know, hey, we got punched, you know, I don't know what to do now. Do you think that's the that's the way to go in your opinion? Uh, I mean, I, I think I, I, the way I've described it all year is I, I think the Magic need to flip over their core. It's the way I've kind of described it. And it's not to say, you know, let Aaron Gordon walk, which I think is the debate we'll probably discuss a little bit later on in the show. Um, but I, I think that the, the pro, a big part of the problem is this team really lacks leadership. Um, and, and it's been a problem for several years that, that the, the group just doesn't have a veteran that will kind of get the team... To, to go with him. Um, again, it doesn't feel like it's anyone's fault because the, the talent level is not there either. But like right. Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier are de facto leaders of this team. They've been on the team the longest. They're two of the leading scorers on the team. They're, they're, they're the two probably most important veterans on the team. Um, they just haven't been able to lift others up. Uh, like uh, we point to Vucevic, honestly, the, the Nikola Vucevic question has been one that we've discussed as a fan base for the last four years. I mean, it's no coincidence Nikola Vucevic's name comes up in trade discussions every single year. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's a reason that, that the Magic are at least interested in giving him up. And for that play, I mean, again, I like Vuce, nicest guy in the world. I still owe him a conversation about The Last, about the last Jedi. Um, but <laughs> he, his shortcomings as a player really hurt this team. Yeah. And, and he is essentially... I mean, I would I would say he's the lead. I mean, he is the leader of the team, and when he's the one that is probably making a lot of the mistakes or the one holding the team back, that's a problem. Um, you know, there have definitely been games this year where a guy like Maurice Spates says something in the locker room and it sparks the team. But Maurice Spates isn't changing. I mean, he can change a game here or there with his shooting, but he's just not out there long enough to really make a big difference and. You know, a lot of people point to, to the Magic not getting Paul Millsap that one year. Whether the Magic were close or not is irrelevant. But Orlando for a long time has needed a player like that. And like right now, I, I wrote this on after Sunday's game against Atlanta because more than anything right now, I'm disappointed that, that Aaron Gordon isn't kind of trying to take that leadership mantle because it, it, this feels like it's his team now. Especially that's with what, all the injuries. That's what I was going to ask you. Um, really, to, for Aaron Gordon to take the next step, do you think it's almost a requirement that, that Fournier and Vooch, have, we have to move on from them? Because maybe Aaron Gordon doesn't feel like he has the, the leeway or, or the, like the, voice. the voice in the locker room to really become the leader that the Magic want him to be? Um, I think that... I don't know if they have to, I mean, I don't know if they have to get rid of both of them. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I think that, I, I, I mean, if you ask me, task one this summer, and again, I love the guy. He's one of the nicest dudes, dudes on, I, on the roster. Um, I, I don't think fans will appreciate the time that Nikola Vucevic put into this team and how much he really bleeds for this roster and, and this franchise. Um, but 
I think task one is they got to trade Nikola Vucevic this summer. It, it, it's it's just time. Like for lack yeah. of a better phrase, it's just time. Like it's run its course. It's not working. Everyone can clearly see that that he is not both something that keeps the team competitive in some respects, but also holds the team back and a lot of other and a lot of others. Fournier, I think Fournier is more form fitting. Like you, you you can fit him into a scheme, and he'll still produce and still be good and still be good. And I think you know Aaron can kind of take over a little bit for him with it. when it's clear that Aaron Gordon's the better player. I think Evan Fournier is fine receding to the background. Uh, but, I mean, eventually I think, yeah, Evan Fournier is probably going to have to go too. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tricky thing to figure out when young players are supposed to take over. Um, I, I think back to when the Magic let Grant Hill go. And a lot of fans still like blame Grant Hill for not coming back. But the reality is the Magic at that point, after making the playoffs that first time, they were ready to turn the team over to Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson. They wanted... Grant Hill essentially off the team, but just because it was like ty- it was time to move on there too, but they wanted to 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 move away from Grant Hill so that Dwight and Jameer would stop deferring to him. I don't know if yeah. we're quite at that level with Aaron Gordon yet. I definitely think you need to get rid of one of Vuce or, or Fournier so that Aaron can have a little bit more freedom. Um, again, but Aaron Aaron's also got to work a lot on his own um, on his own stuff uh, and his, on his own game sure. to, to get to that level as well. Um, I think that you got to get rid of one of them so that Aaron has a little bit more of that freedom, a little bit more of that confidence that, hey, that they're trusting me with this with this thing. At the same time, he's just 22 years old. Right. Um, asking a 22-year-old mm-hmm. to be the leader of anything, of any organization, is asking a lot. Um, yeah. and, and it's not going to be perfect, and there's going to be growing pains. Um, but, uh, you know, at this point, it, it definitely feels like Aaron, you got to hand as much of the keys over as you can to Aaron and let him figure out who he is as a player. Yeah, and we've kind of seen that in these last, you know, the last few games where, you know, especially, you know, against the the Mavericks where we've, you know, sat Vooch and, and Fournier is out with his injury. So we've seen Aaron Gordon try to, you know, put that mantle, um, you know, on himself and, and, you know, and you can see him trying to do that. And there is the potential um, of Aaron Gordon taking over. But like you said, he's still so young. Um, it's just hard to know like where management is going um, to, you know, to try to try to balance that. So Aaron Gordon, you know, doesn't have to take on everything yet. He still feels like he can. Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, like you said, like Vooch um, and, and to an extent Fournier during the year, especially like last year, but have kind of held him back in that respect. Um, like he wants, I think he wants to defer to them sometimes. Like, yeah, like he does. Like he's he's a confident guy, and he's you know probably tr- used too many possessions where he just tried to kind of be the guy. And and I've yeah. I've 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 described how Aaron's played sometimes as he's trying to to be what he thinks a star is rather than just playing his game. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, absolutely. And and so I think he's still learning the parameters of his game, and it's going to continue to grow. Like I, I'm. I'm confident, and we'll get into Aaron, I'm sure. Later. I mean, we can get into it now, I guess, since we're talking about it. Um, sure. But I'm confident Aaron's going to continue to grow, and I'm, I'm willing to invest in his future. Um, Absolutely. But, I mean, I think at, a, at the same point, he's been in the league. Evan and Vooch have been his veterans. He's probably never going to see them as guys he's above in some way. 
because they've always they've been the guy they've been the two guys that brought him along. Like he, I mean, it's it's yeah an extreme. Ex, this is an extreme metaphor, but you never see your parents as adults, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's it's very hard to see your parents as adults. They're always your parents. Just like for your parents, you're always you're there. You're always their kid, and so. Yeah. You're not like you're always going to treat that relationship very differently, as mm-hmm. as opposed to say, you know, someone that you came up with, like someone a, a college classmate or or a sibling. Yeah, it's a very different relationship, and so sure. Gordon, essentially Vucevic and Fournier were Gordon's veterans, and so I think there's always going to be naturally, whether it's intentional or not, naturally, he's always going to kind of defer to them. And and so I think for him to grow as a leader and for the Magic maybe to grow and change their leadership and, and, and a little bit of, of what their identity is, they've they've got to move on from some of these guys that have just been here through all this losing for so long. And and I still worry that Gordon's been here too long and has been infected by whatever the last five years have done to this franchise. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting story. That the fact that it's even a story or a conversation we're having that Aaron Gordon, like, you know, is is he worth keeping around? Like that's just crazy. Because if you would have asked me that, you know, mid season, I was like, man, this guy's, you know, elements of his game have completely changed, and you know, things are starting to slow down a little bit for him, and he's impacting the game. But that, as we're talking, you know, him as a primary option is just almost kind of awkward. You know, yeah, he's it's, not it's still he's not, not making the adjustments. Yeah, and and he's kind of needs to be the secondary guy and and read and react to the game and have an offense kind of built around him. And, you know, it, I think that's the hardest part is it? I, I, I'm on the, the side of I think you got to move on from Evan and, and Vooch because I, I just don't think it's like, you know, all of a sudden becoming your boss's boss. You know, it just doesn't happen in the workplace. That's just weird. And it's awkward. It's like, hey, you mentored me. But now, you know, I'm making the decisions. So, exactly. you, you know, live with it. So I just think they've got to move on. Um, I, and I don't know how. Uh, I don't know what kind of fit. But I think. I'm in kind of. I was, I was telling Andy today when I was headed over. I think they just need to kind of clear house as best as they can. Um, I think that's the best way. You know, when new management in any job or company comes in, that's one of the first things they always do is they kind of just figure out who's there for the right reasons, keep them, and and do what you can to you know get rid of all the other stuff and, and make the right moves and I you kind of see that now and I think I think that's probably where Weltman and Hammond are going to go and obviously there's going to be some contracts that guess what we can't do anything about we're stuck with those and we have to make the best of it. Taking a quick break from the Orlando Magic discussion, there will be plenty more to come with Andy Harrington and Stephen Garlic of the Orlando Magic podcast coming up in just a moment. But I want to remind you that the Locked On Podcast Network is your place to get the best local analysis of every NBA team, almost every NFL team, and now every almost every MLB team as the Locked On Network begins to grow. This is where you will find the biggest stories and the local experts. As you all probably know by now, Big news coming in the NBA. Kyrie Irving officially out for the playoffs. What is the future of the Boston Celtics? We have Locked On Celtics' John Corrales here to answer that question. John Corrales here from Locked On Celtics to talk about the breaking Kyrie Irving injury news. He is going to have surgery on his left knee to remove screws that were implanted in 2015 when he fractured his patella. Now, 
you might remember a few weeks ago, he had surgery on that same knee to remove a supporting wire that was also part of that same injury. Now what they have found is an infection at the site of the screws. So they're going back in. They're going to take the screws out. They're going to clear up the infection. The Celtics say his knee is structurally sound, but it's going to take four to five months for everything to recover and for him to get back to playing basketball. The Celtics focus has always been on next season, especially after the Gordon Hayward injury. But now they definitely will not have Kyrie Irving back for the playoffs. After the initial surgery, they had thought maybe he'd return at some point in the first or second round. Now that is out. So the immediate impact for the Boston Celtics is Terry Rozier is probably going to move into the starting point guard role, a role that he has served well for the Celtics so far in Kyrie's absence and in Marcus Smart's absence. They hope to get Marcus Smart back at some point in the first round. He's got he's had that thumb surgery to repair a torn tendon, so hopefully for the Celtics that he comes back, but immediately they will not have Kyrie Irving for this playoff run. It's going to be tough getting out of the first round for the Celtics. If they do and they get to a second round, that's going to be especially difficult. So I'm sure teams are going to start lining up hoping to play the Celtics in that second round. That specifically would be Cleveland. Long term, they say the knee is structurally sound and they hope to start next season with a healthy Gordon Hayward and a healthy Kyrie Irving. And the Celtics' priority has always been that. So... We'll see how that goes, but right now there's no further damage. It's not another injury. It's not a separate thing. It's all part of the same thing to clear up what they had done to fix his knee in 2015, and this should remove every apparatus that was in there, and once that's out and healed and the infection is gone, Kyrie Irving should be good to go. We'll see. That's the breaking news. I'm John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. Be sure to check out John Corrales and all the great work he does at Locked On Celtics. Actually, personally, one of my favorite Locked On podcasts. There's a great Locked On podcast for every single team in the NBA. You get the big national stories from the local perspective. Remember, the Locked On podcast ever, whether it's your favorite NBA team, like the Magic, whether it's your favorite NFL team, whether it's now your favorite MLB team, it's your team every day on the Locked On podcast network. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think clearing house is, is one way to go about it. Um, you know, however... I'm it, a little drastic. I'm outside looking in. I know? mean, yeah, it, it, it's hard because you want to try to, you know, continue, uh, you know, growing some of your players that you have there. Um, you know, like an Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, keep Simmons around. You know, these guys, you know, are the guys that you want to build your culture around, but you also have to build a team that fits as well. Um, and I think moving on from a lot of these players is, is probably in the cards. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like this team, uh, like like I said, flip the core over. Uh, yep. Vooch and You're Evan right. are the big part of that. Um, I think we've said all year that, in the like, really, the players that Jeff Weltman has picked that the play, his players are essentially Isaac and Simmons. Mm-hmm. You're right. Everyone else yep. seems like it's fair game. 
And I, I don't think like the Magic. I, I guess I guess it, it, the the question now becomes, what do you, what do you trade? What what's what's the priority to trade? I've I've already made clear what what my priority is. Um, but what do you try and get for them? Is are, are you trading people just to trade them at this point, or are you still are you trying to find deals that bring you something of value or just a clear cap room or? or what is the what is the the main goal in trading players? And I mean, I, and I think this is this is the subject that I think most Magic fans aren't ready to broach quite yet. Are you prepared to make this team worse next year from a talent perspective to do so? <laughs> yeah, which is you know I I hate to say that, but it's a very likely scenario. See, um, and I think you can take a step back and guess what? This team could be more exciting. Could we be worse? Yes. Could we lose more? Yes. But could we be more exciting? Absolutely. Yes. There's there's a difference. Right now when I watch games, there's... It's, hope. We, we need the hope, right? Yeah, the it hope is, is missing. I, yeah. I I watch games, and if Isaac's really not in, guess what? Like, I just ha- sometimes have a it's hard easy time. To t- it's easy to tune out. Yeah. yeah. Ro- Rodney Purvis, even, when he's been coming in, I'm like, wow. Like, you know, some... I mean, just it's small stuff, but I like to see guys like that who just come in and they, they take advantage of their, their opportunity. And it's... Some of that stuff's just nice to see, and 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 that's what that's what this team's missing. It's it's a sense of urgency. It's a sense of you know culture, all that stuff. You you, you got to build it up, and you can still lose and do it at the same time. Yeah, because watching Shelvin Mack and Bismack Biombo play out there is um, <laughs> it just it it doesn't get me going for the magic. It doesn't. <laughs> I it doesn't. You don't you don't love you don't love a good Shelvin, Shelvin Mack. Sean oh, Mack's been good this year. He has been good. I mean, he, was, I mean, good in, he was good in Utah, and it, like when I heard that contract come down the line, I was like, "What did the Magic just do?" <laughs> like, it didn't really make sense. Good guy. That, that contract, but, you know. I don't, I don't think that that made sense, especially uh, considering they got Simmons later on in the summer for for cheaper. Yeah, yeah. That didn't, yeah you're I, right. I, I mean, he he might make an interesting trade asset uh, even over the summer because his, especially you know, his, his non guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still I'm like, okay, we have DJ, uh, at an already at that time was kind of a bad contract. Um, then we had Alfred and then, um, you know, then Shelvin, I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on. But anyways, (laughs) the point is, is that the magic just needs some guys out there. Like, I think we talked about this at the beginning of the season. It's the prove it season, right? Yep. And we need those guys out there that are willing to prove it. And you've seen that in these last few games. You've seen Purvis out there. You know, you've seen, um, you know, Jamel Artis out there. Um, you know, you've seen Birch out there. And they're just kicking butt, you know. And, and you know, and that's, I think, what we've all as fans have just been wanting to see this whole year. is kind of like what we did back when we, we started the rebuild. Um, you know, we started off, kicked it off with, you know, some Victor Oladipo and that whole team. It was just like, the it was exciting. Seemed limited. It did. It, it, it like it, yes. it. felt like no one had hit their ceiling yet. And I. And that. I mean, the Magic are probably like everyone says the worst place to be in the NBA is the six or seven seed with six or seven seed. That's not true. The worst no, place no. to be in the <laughs> NBA is this roster. A bunch yeah. of guys who have probably hit their ceiling are on big contracts, give you no cap room, no cap flexibility, and essentially aren't going to be much better than they are. Like yeah. yeah, if this team were healthy, maybe they're a 32-33 win team. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. that's yeah. not that's not a playoff team. That, like and and that again, it's the entertainment factor. There's no hope. Um and that that's huge for me. I was I was on the 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 bandwagon, you know, hey, 
promote the starting lineup of the Lakeland Magic to the Orlando Magic, and I would have been, I would have given them a standing ovation. You know what I mean? Like do something crazy because sometimes I love seeing those guys get minutes, and it's fun turning those guys who just are waiting for an opportunity to then be turned into an asset down the road. And and that's what I was really hoping for this season. Obviously, we already started to see it as the season winds down, but you know. I'd love to see that relationship between Lakeland and Orlando really start to develop into something deeper and see a lot more people, especially going into next season, get more of an opportunity. Yeah, you've seen – I mean, I think it's – you want to see the, the value of your assets increasing over over the time and not watching depreciating assets. Correct. And so that's kind of what we've been seeing over the years, just Shelvin Mack, DJ Augustine. Like, they're great players, but, you know, they're not gaining any more value than they already are right now. Yeah. Same with the biz. I mean, as his contract winds down, maybe, but like you're not growing these assets into better players, and that's and that's it's just hard because there's just, there's nothing to look forward to as a fan in in that sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I and I think that uh, that's obviously been been the problem with the team and why we're expecting major change. I mean, that 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 is the heart of the matter. Um, that gets to I, I think the great debate of of the season. Did the magic do? Did the magic? I mean, I, I I've made my stance very clear online. I I do not think that tanking is a viable strategy. Um, I think that it hurts your long term culture, and and I think for the magic, that's more important for this for this organization is kind of rebuilding their culture than trying to get a get angle themselves for the top pick in the draft. Um, but. I mean, I don't know where you guys stand on this. Did the Magic play things right, or should they have packed it in sooner or done something different with their their lineup to put themselves in better draft position? I mean, they're sitting here at fifth fifth best lottery odds. I mean, right. We're sitting here on Thursday night, um, recording this. Four games left in the season. I don't expect the Magic to win another game this year. I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, when when I look at this team, and, and again, uh, I say this all the time on our podcast, you know, I, I am a Jazz fan, but I'm also very invested in the Magic, right? And so it's, it's kind of nice. Podcast. Yeah, you know, right? I, I've, I've been in the trenches, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of having that unbiased, uh, now I'm starting to get a little bit more biased, obviously, but, you know, as I've looked at this, you know, I look at the team and really... I'm all about culture, obviously, but as I look at this team, I really don't know who's worth building a culture around on this team. There's a few blocks on this team that obviously, like you said, the Weltman and Hammond guys, Simmons and uh, Isaac, uh, you know, Aaron Gordon, some of these younger younger talents that obviously you want to keep around. But some of these guys, like, I don't really know if it's it's worth even trying to build a culture around. In fact, like I said previously, I would have preferred to bench some of these guys for Lakeland Magic players um, and, and give them a shot to, you know, prove themselves. And yes, uh, unfortunately, if we did do that, that would have, you know, created more losses for us. But at the end of the day, you know, I think some fans have a weird uh, idea of tanking in general. I do believe you can tank in a good way and tank in a bad way. I'm all about the good way. I'm not like Mark Cuban telling the guys, hey, you know, it is what it is, <laughs> you know. Level. You guys want to go to Red Lobster? No, it's it's you know we you got to do it the right way. You got to create you know um, competition. That's the Shark um, Tank over I'd, there. I'd be curious to see. 
Sorry. There you go. Good job, Andy. I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, competition and practice. I'd love to see G League guys come in and really put the starters to test and, and these young guys and really push them into the players they need to become. I, 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 I want you to expand a little bit on that because a lot of the conversations that I have, people tell me the magic through the first five years of the rebuild didn't mm-hmm. tank, quote unquote, the right way. And I've always, I mean, maybe because I'm just so anti-tanking, just philosophically, it doesn't right, right. sit right with me. Um, I, I'm kind of someone that believes the team is bad. They'll be bad. They'll lose games. And I've always, and really since the rebuild began, I've said, I understand you're going to lose a lot of games. And I accept you're going to lose a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But when you have the chance to win, you need to win. Like individual right. games, you know, you, you like you can't be losing a seven point lead with two and a half minutes left. Like don't you gotta you gotta close that game out because eventually you gotta turn turn the corner and those little successes build up eventually. Um Correct. but uh expand a little bit on that idea of, of kinda tanking the right way and tanking the wrong way. A lot of people I think when they think of tanking they think of what the Sixers did. Right. And, and they claim like tanking the right way is this you know, kind of no holds bar, just bring in all these, you know, be so far under the, under the, under the salary floor that, mm-hmm. you know, you're just, you're playing essentially a G league, uh, what is essentially a G league roster. No offense to those guys. Um, right, but I, yeah. but I always come back and say, no, yeah, they didn't have talent. And that's ultimately why they lost a lot of games. But when you watch them play, even from the very beginning, Brett Brown had them playing their butts off. They stole games from some really good teams because they just they played harder than than you than than you did, right. um, and, and like especially during this run, I've kind of I, I I come up with catchphrases. Um, but during this latest run for the Magic, I've said, look, I don't care about the final result. Just right. play hard, win despite or lose despite your effort, not because of it. And I think right. that was for the most part what the Sixers did. And so I tell everyone, look. The Sixers are where they are right now because they won the lottery three times. They got third and drafted Joel Embiid. And, and to me, winning the lottery is getting in the top three, whether you have the top odds or not. Yeah. Because the Magic essentially, the Magic for three years tanked. They did tank. They, were, they tried to be bad. Their, the whole Rob Hennigan strategy was get, get two high draft picks and begin building that way. And they did that. Second overall pick, Victor Oladipo. With the third best odds in the lottery, they ended up fourth. That was those were the two lotteries they were going to build around, and they hoped to win the lottery those years. And when they lost those lotteries, they they lost. I mean, I think Hennigan just lost a lot of his plan. Like his plan just went out the window. He didn't have a backup for it, and I think that's ultimately why um, why management why ownership pushed him to go faster, and why Hennigan made the mistakes that he made as a GM. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I ask, I mean, and so like I, I come from it from the perspective, like the magic tried tanking, tanking right. alone doesn't do anything. Yeah. It's got to come with the culture building. And that Correct. starts with, and a lot of it starts with the coach, which again, I, I consider Jacques Vaughn, the original sin. Um, yeah. a lot of it and starts with the coach. And you're exactly right. Cause, cause like you're saying to expound on that, you know, it, the, the one thing you can say about the 76ers is they believe in Brett Brown hundred percent. They, yeah. they bought into a system management clearly said, you know what? 
we know what we're getting ourselves into. Granted, I know Sam Hinkie then you know was dismissed, but even the new management came in and said, "Hey, we still believe in you," and it's a system and it's a culture. Um, look at some of the hires in the last few years, you know, of of people who've been given you know hundred percent you know backing from management, and those are the teams who've been able to have a, a successful rebuild. Um, you you have uh, you know obviously the 76ers you have the the hornets there with steve clifford uh you know for a little bit then you had um the utah jazz with quinn snyder um you know the list kind of goes on you even see it a little bit with the the brooklyn nets um you know i love what kenny atkinson's done there yeah like and and that's what i love about some of these coaches some of these coaches i mean if you asked me five ten years ago i didn't even know they were coaches probably but What's neat about these guys is they're developing coaches and they have systems and these management teams have bought into their systems and said, you know what, we hold our coach up. We know, you know, you've got a system, a plan. Let's get on the same page. Let's get the roster the way you want it. And we believe in you. So you make it happen. Develop the guys the best way you can. And and we haven't had that here in Orlando for years. Um, and, and that's that's really honestly been the missing link, in there's, my opinion. Yeah, there's the of break why in the, the culture. Rebuild, the rebuild hasn't happened is because it's been a break in the culture between management, coaching, and the roster. And sometimes two of the three are on the same page, you know, and, and vice versa. But really, there's never been a clear message. It feels from like they've it the feels like they've been the at the they've been up. at odds since Scott Skiles resigned, or since they hired Scott Skiles. Yeah, like they've yeah. they haven't been on this. I mean, they haven't. I mean, Vaughn, like I said. I consider Vaughn the original sin. Like, like, good yeah, guy was, was not ready to be a head yeah. coach. Did not lay the foundation that this team needed. And when you tear down the way the Magic te- tore down, if you get it wrong, you're you're in the wrong for a very long time until you can tear it down again. Almost. That's I me. Mean, that's where the rot started, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where that's the rot where started. started. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, there was no fa- they, they built a house without a foundation. Yeah, and, and, and we're in Florida, so then, they, they went into a sinkhole. Yeah, they, they sunk down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and that's where that's where we come into play. Where is is Frank Vogel their guy? Is is this who we're gonna build the culture around? And does Frank Vogel want to be a part of that? Because to me, um, I mean, just just watching him and, and watching his, um, you know, in, in post game interviews and and whatnot, it just doesn't. Sometimes it just doesn't seem like he. He wants to be a part of this, and then on the other side, management. I'm not sure that they, you know, that that he's their guy. And so, if we're building the culture right now, are, are we, you know, are, are we building it too soon? Are, are we going to have to break down the entire culture again when we hire a new coach and a new coaching staff, and next year we flip over the core, and then, you know, what culture have we carried over? you know, to next year. And I think that's where the tanking, you know, the tanking argument gets interesting there um, because, uh, you know, are we, are we winning these games for Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and that's it? Um, and, and will, you know, who, what will carry over um, and what kind of culture will we reestablish in the off season? Yeah. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I, yeah, I think I think that's the real question right now um, as, as they finish the season. And, you know, I, a lot of the guys that are finishing games right now are not the guys that are going to be important next year. Um, you know, like I look at I look at yesterday's game, uh, plus minus, individual plus minus in an individual game is always not something you should use, but right. Aaron Gordon was <laughs> plus 14 yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that is, that is positive. Yeah. Um, didn't need to finish a game. I mean, I, I don't expect him, you know, I think Vogel will still send his starters dutifully out there to finish the games the rest of the season. Uh, at least after Friday, because he'll be playing teams that are fighting for playoff positioning, and you know he he philosophically believes in in keeping the integrity of those games that have meaning. But um, it, it, that that part of the result isn't as important anymore. Um, I think earlier it it certainly was, um, or I thought or I thought it was at least. Uh, but it it's definitely. It's definitely a tricky spot because you you know you don't know what carries over. Like the magic, like Vogel said, he thought that the way they finished last year, granted they were eight and sixteen, but the way they finished last year helped them build momentum for the start of the season. Whether that's true or not, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, they just shot the ball like yeah. crazy. Um, but it's <laughs> probably a lot of it. And Jonathan was, Isaac, I mean, I think he's amazing. I, his he defensive potential is, is off the charts. And I think the fans, the, the one thing I, I view Jonathan Isaac as is just he culture, you know, me and Andy talk about it a lot. Culture is defense. Yes. Culture is yeah. working for your brother. You know, all of that, you know, all of us who've played basketball or played any sport really understand that a little bit. Any team sport that that is the culture. But offense is talent. And, and but but let's just focus on, on defense. Jonathan Isaac is kind of when he goes out there is kind of a captain or maybe you don't look at it like that. But he's kind of the leader on the defensive end when he goes into the game. And it was brings, interesting when he, he went down and gone. He, it feels like he brings everyone up a notch defensively. Oh yeah, when he's out there, you see the energy on the on the defensive end pick up because they know uh, Jonathan Isaac is going to get in those passing lanes. He's going to deflect something. I'm going to jump at it. Yeah. You know, you can see the energy pick up in the entire team when he's on the, on that on the defensive end. Um, it's it's amazing to watch him. And, and, and Isaac has gone so underrated um, on on all you know you know NBA circles. I, I just I just don't know if if people understand how good he is defensively already. Uh, I mean, ov- obviously, offensively, he is. He's got he's, work. But, he's got he's got yeah. work to do, but he's he's got a jumper. He's got stuff to roll with. with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but you know, twenty nine. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's 20. young. Yeah, he's young. He's super young. I'm twenty nine, so yeah, he's <laughs> young. <laughs> he's young to us. Um, but I mean, he's definitely somebody you're gonna want to build the culture around. Um, and, 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 uh, yeah, he, he is, he's really good. And he, he and Aaron Gordon next to each other are going to cause a lot of problems in the future. Yeah. So, I just think you need to get somebody in there who has a system and, and I'm not a hundred percent sold on Frank Vogel. That's, that's so all I have. like, and I, I wrote this when the rumors were, were beginning to pick up and, 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 you know, it's that there's, there's been whispers and noise for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, what do the Magic do with Frank Vogel? I think I think that's obviously has to be the first decision you make this summer. Um, I've right. told everyone that just like the players are getting evaluated, Vogel is getting evaluated. Um, but 
there's two sides of the coin here, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's how do you how do you evaluate Frank Vogel over these last couple of years with the with the roster he's had? You know, you could say that very fairly. Um, you know, you could say the injuries this year have really affected the team. Um, he hasn't had a fair shot necessarily. Um, at, you know, with a full roster and a and a good roster at that with good talent. But on the other hand, you know, we talk about this on the podcast a lot. You know, I mean. He he has made a lot of mistakes. Um, I I believe I agree. I, be, I believe the the you know putting Aaron Gordon at the three. I think that might have stunted his his development um, that that whole season and him you know you know not being able to work with Serge Ibaka at the five and Aaron at the four. I think maybe was that put him was back that but was that was that Vogel's fault or was that Hennigan's fault? The, and there you go again. You can't really you know it's hard to, once it's hard again to it's roster it. construction. Yeah, and it and it's hard to evaluate that. Um, you know, if it were me as the coach, you know, I would, I would try to put my best players and my best lineup on the floor, no matter who, who I had, but, um, you know, and so it, it's hard to say, but I mean, if I thought that Aaron Gordon was, you know, my future, um, and that I was stunting his growth perhaps and, and knew that that wasn't his position, I would have just moved. I, I would have said, look guys. I don't care how long you've been on the team. I don't care if it's your starting position. I'm going to try Serge Ibaka and Aaron Gordon in uh, my front court. But, um, I mean, that's just, it, once again, it's it, it was poor roster construction. That was, you know, a lot on Hennigan. Um, Let me ask you you both, because um, I want to I wanna throw this question at you guys. Give me the first, like, three items off the top of your head. When I say Frank Vogel's system, what do you guys say? <laughs> that's that's a really good question because um, i don't have anything <laughs> i mean it's, i think i think uh the, the biggest thing i think of with him is verticality um yeah. that that that's what he that's what that whole indiana defense was based on yeah it's roy hibbert and that's, that, yeah that's and, what we and while nikola vucevic is not roy hibbert i i think that Vucevic played his best defense of his career under Frank Vogel. I I did think he improved defensively under Frank Vogel, and yeah, generally no I doubt. think no doubt. And generally I, I think individual players improve defensively under Vogel. Um, Hazonia, I mean, forget about the 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 team option fiasco. Um, and fiasco is a strong right. word, <laughs> uh, but forgetting about that decision, which wasn't Vogel's decision. Hazonia has completely changed as a player from last year to this year. And it, it's not just his health. Like, he, he, you can put him on the floor and he's not going to completely hurt you defensively. Like, yeah. I mean, he went from unusable player to a rotation player that can bust out on occasion. And that's a huge step for him. So let me ask you this too, because this is a follow-up question. I just this just popped in my mind, and I think this would be good to hear your and Andy's takes on this. Is that Frank Vogel? Because if Frank Vogel knew who Mario Hazonia was going to turn into and was developing him and seeing him in practice, shouldn't Frank Vogel have communicated that to management and been like, guys, 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 take the team option? <laughs> I don't think he had done it at that point. Okay. Yeah. I think I think it happened. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah, He hadn't made the leap yet. It was literally right after they declined his option. All of a sudden, Mario Zonia decides. And it could have been a motivation factor. Let's (laughs) be honest. That would tick me off if you drafted me, and all of a sudden, I'm one of the only players in who knows how long to not have my team option accepted. Yeah, I would play a little bit pissed off. Yeah. I mean, and you look and you look at it. 
uh, his own, I mean, the, the option had to be picked up by October 31st. Uh, in those first six games, Hizonia was averaging four and a half points per game and 13 minutes per game. You know, shooting 50% from beyond the, from the, from the floor. Like he was playing okay, but wasn't getting a ton of minutes. Like he, he, he hadn't cracked the rotation. So clearly through training camp and through those first, that first set, five, six, seven games of the season, he wasn't showing that he was getting it quite yet. Yeah, and and I and yeah, I mean sure. I remember watching him and people were like, "Oh, are the Magic going to do this?" And I was thinking, I don't know if they're going to take his option. Like he doesn't look like he can play yet. And we said the same. We thing, said the same thing fair. on the podcast. I yeah. remember that episode. We were like, you know, I think it was like called "Sorry, Mario Hazonia." I mean, it was just like, like, sorry, you're not an NBA player. I mean, he literally just did not look like an NBA caliber player. And his, and, and Vogel said that at the beginning of the year, yeah. he didn't look like an NBA player. Like, all credit to to Mario. I, I give credit to the Magic coaching staff. Like something clicked with him. And, and he's not all the way there yet, but you see why, I mean, at least now, you see why he was the fifth overall pick again. Yeah, you see potential. And that's that's the hardest thing for me is you're yeah. just watching this guy <laughs> ball out and you're yeah. like, I don't know how we're going to keep. And, and, and I know he's saying the right things like, hey, I, I love it here in Orlando. That's good and all, but he also has a thing called an agent. And the agent's definitely in his ear saying, you know, hey, hey we're going to get paid. Let else. me remind you yeah. what happened. And, and his own, I mean, and as I think Azonia gets it. I think Azonia's a little naive about it, but I think he gets it too because, like, he said, oh, he was saying all that stuff to us last week, and he also said, "I know money plays in this league. Like, yeah. if you get if you get paid more, you have more leverage to make mistakes and play more." And I think right now he just wants playing time. If if the Magic can promise him playing time, and the salary is competitive, he'll stay. If they can't promise him playing time or he feels like he's got a better opportunity to play somewhere else, he'll go. It's I think it's really that simple. Yeah. yeah. All it takes is one offer of six million dollars, right? And then he's he's making more money and he might have a better opportunity elsewhere. And yeah. he's out. And he but, gets to he gets to pick his offense. That's the most important thing, I think, in the league. He gets to pick his system. And that's that's the hardest thing with this magic team is I don't know what the system is. And that will that alone will give me hope next season is if we go into next season and I can say ball movement, interior defense, and you know a brotherhood. Our team likes Length to play together. Something. Guess what? I'm yeah. sold. I will buy season tickets. I will buy a jersey. I love them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. that's that's what I want. Yeah, and I think I mean, and, and that gets us back to the point. Like, how do you define a Frank Vogel team? Uh, you know, the second the second of his pet phrases is playing with the pass. The problem is. The Magic don't like move off the ball. It's it, it like their offense yeah. is really good when it works, um, but they get very stagnant, and that is what gets them in trouble. And that's why you know they have one of the worst offenses in the league. Um, the philosophically, I think what Vogel wants is good, but for whatever reason, his players just haven't bought in. And and to me, like I said this after Skiles, like like when it, when it was when the, when the stuff came out about Skiles, I was like. What the hell are the players doing? Like, why are why are they? I mean, like, even when the Magic were struggling, when the Magic were nineteen and thirteen, they went two and twelve in January and fell completely out of the playoffs. I was literally just sitting there, was like, why are the players not doing what they know works? Why are they not listening to the coach? I get Scott Skiles grates on you, and eventually a team tunes him out, but this group has accomplished nothing. Skiles had them in position. Had them, I mean, Skyle, that Skyle season was the best season of these six years. 
Mm-hmm. He yeah. had them in position to make the playoffs in January. They were they were in London, I think, and they were the fourth seed in the East still. Like mid-January. Yeah, I remember. It was good it's, times then. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, as a player who wants to win, how are you not listening to every single word he says and buying into it? Yeah. Like, how is, how is he not the guy you listen to after everything? I mean, you hadn't accomplished anything yet, but after the progress and the signs you were showing. And, and, and that's, that's where it the, comes. That's, that's, that's comes chicken that and egg, right? It's, yeah. it's chicken, chicken or the egg. It's it's is the is it the players that are just disengaging, or is it the coach coaches that that aren't uh, you know relaying their message correctly? Um, you know, and, and and with Frank Bogle, I, I mean, it, it's just hard to believe that we've been through what four coaches now during this span, um, and every time it's the same thing. It's okay, we have a you know a jolt at one point, and then we just tail off. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to understand why that's happening. Um, you know, and I think it's, I mean, it's just time to, like you said, flip over the core and, and you see what's next. Do, I'll ask you guys your opinion. Do the magic, do the magic move on from Frank Vogel this summer? It's too much smoke. I think I, here, you know how we were talking about how they should handle it. I don't even know if I think it could be a mutual decision. That's how crazy it is. I think yeah. I think Frank might just go, hey, I'm good if you're good. I mean, I thought those. Comments, I mean, they'll have to negotiate uh, the buyout, obviously. But yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah, I thought his comments uh, was it after the New York game or before it. I I, I can't remember what it, what it said, but yeah, he was, ta- he was talking about how he was surprised he wasn't the New York's coach, and it just there's there's just some things that I'm like, I, like why why would you say that? I mean, I know it's a story, but I'm like, I, I, you know. I, it just doesn't make sense. And to New York's me. looking for a new coach, and so the media, yeah, their, their media is probably fishing around a little bit. And that—that's what—that's what I actually texted Andy. I'm like, sounds like he's like uh, filling out his application at the, you know, the garden, the, the interviewing, media. interviewing, yeah, getting ready the, to interview with the new brass again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, I I think he's gone. Um, I I would be shocked if he's back next season. Let's put it that way. I would yeah. be shocked. Yeah, I, I would be too, honestly. And and I almost think that they should move on from him yeah um too because i i just think that the some the culture like we said the culture is broken somewhere and we believe that that is the piece that's broken if we can get management to get a guy that they trust in there that they know that we can create that line i think it's kind of like a line of culture starting at management going through coaching going to players Mm -hmm. and if we can get that line of trust and cooperation set then i think we can start building the correct culture and do a correct rebuild. What yeah. do you think, Philip? What, what do you think? What, what been, are, what's I've your prediction? Been, I've been 50-50 on it for a while. I, my personal preference, I think this year was not on Vogel. Um, I think I think we've seen the beginnings of a good positive development culture. Like My, my big thing that I've been talking about um, kind of through this tanking debate that we've had is I don't believe in this draft there is a surefire pick, that there's a surefire guy. Um, mm. I think every player at the top of this draft has a fatal has a fatal flaw that if you don't develop that player correctly, they won't become the player that this magic team needs. Like I think every single player in this draft could bust. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's so, all about situation, right? Yeah, exactly. And so my whole approach to this season has been the magic need to make sure that their development culture 
how they build up players, how they grow players, that foundation gets set now. So that, because yeah. they're going to get a high pick. Uh, and really, I, I've told people this who are like, oh, now the Magic are going to end up with the sixth pick in the draft. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Pick three through seven to me are virtually the same. Yep, it's like, true. I think it's true. I think all the players in that range are about the same player. Yeah, if you don't get a top two pick in this draft, which it's most likely like that we're not going to get that at this point because we'd be sitting at four or five anyways. It would take a lot of luck to jump up there. Um, and as and I so, and as I joke to people, yeah. who knows this might be the win that that gets the Magic the number one pick. You don't you don't know. I, like I I want to like part of me is also the Magic tried tanking. Like I said, it didn't work out. Their lottery luck wasn't good. So. I'm like, let's just control what we can control. We can control yeah. our development culture. We can control how we build up players, what we're trying to get them to think, and how they approach the game as best we can. And it's sure. tough when you're losing like this and with the veterans that the Magic have, and that's why the Magic probably need to move on from some of these veterans. Um, but you know, Aaron Gordon taking the steps that he's taken this year, even though he's had some ups and downs toward the end of the season, um, I think is really strong. Uh, Mario Zonia, even though he may not be on the team next year, I think his development this year is a ringing endorsement of what Vogel and his coaching staff have done uh, and, and some of the other work behind the scenes with the Magic. Um, I think we have seen Nikola Vucevic improve a little bit defensively or have really nice moments defensively. Injuries, I think, slowed him down. Um, I think the work they've done with Jonathan Isaac has been really, really good. Um, you know, we haven't seen enough of it, obviously. Um, you know, they've let his natural talent show and, and I think he, his jumper has improved from the beginning of the season. It's obviously still a work in progress. Uh, and so if that's how I feel, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. I kind of think that it might be more beneficial to keep some continuity and continue to let that culture grow. But like you guys said, if Jeff Waltman does not believe he's the guy, if Jeff Waltman does not you know, say, I not only can work with this guy, I trust this guy fully. If he mm-hmm. can't say that, then yeah, then yeah, it's time to move on and get someone who you know will implement the system and the culture you want. I know Weltman doesn't like that word culture, but uh, yeah. that's, that's that, I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about is like a consistent yeah. message that everyone in the team believes in and fights for all the time. I mean, the Spurs have pound the rock. That's that's the message for them every single day, and it's drilled into them from the moment they step into that into that building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, you don't need a catchphrase as your culture, but you do need an ethos. And and yeah. you know, I think it is telling that players have given up on Vogel in in a year, twice now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and you know, I, I would probably I would have probably said two three weeks ago that I was feeling fifty fifty about it. Um, the smoke keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and it, 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 if, if you don't, again, if you don't believe he's your guy, you got to move on. And now, yeah. and now is probably the time to move on when you've got the high draft pick coming in and you've kind of hit rock bottom as an organization and you have a new man, new general manager and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think it is mostly about what it's the management that's going to control the situation right now and not necessarily uh, due to any kind of, coaching on Frank Vogel you know I think it has has been the players turning him off a little bit um, but I really think it's going to come down to you know Weltman you know is this his guy and honestly I don't I don't think that he is I think that there's been some disconnect I, I mean obviously I have no idea but I mean I just don't there's been like you said there's been way too much smoke 
And I feel like he's been evaluating this is his year and there's going to be so much turnover that he's just going to say, look, this is the year. If we're going to do this, we're going to flip flip over the core. We're going to flip over the coach as well. And, and most importantly, we talk about hope and going into next season. Yes, we will probably lose more. But I think if you flip the coach, that for me as a fan uh, makes me more hopeful. Now I want to see what this coach is going to be all about. Now I want to see what his players are going to be all about. That creates a positive culture for the fans, and it brings a new energy to this team that I think would change everything. Yeah, it's basically a PR move. Essentially, yeah. and it, well, it's a I mean, move. Yeah. the 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 two. I mean, I always I always say this about GMs. Their their most important decision usually when they get into their new job is literally their first decision. Yeah. Rob Hennigan's first decision was hiring Jacques Vaughn and trading Dwight Howard. Um, the Dwight <laughs> well, Howard trade worked out yeah, okay, that was I guess, for him. That was fine. Yeah. Hiring Jacques Vaughn did not. That was terrible. Yeah. That was a terrible move. <laughs> um, and again, I'll overuse this phrase. It was the original sin. Yeah. Jeff Weltman kind of got a year as a free pass. Like this year, like I've had some, I mean, I think some Magic fans, because they're so scarred from the last five years, the Mario Azonia thing rubbed everyone the wrong way with how he's played this year. The draft yeah. thing, you know, just saying that the draft smoothed out, which I, at the time, I agreed with. I thought that was a fair assessment. Um, it kind of sounds like the Magic wanted Kyle Kuzma, but weren't willing to spend a first-round pick on him, and they expected him to be available in the second round, and, and the Lakers snagged him. Um, yeah, that's the draft. That happens to everyone. You can't really play the regret game with that. Um if I were them, I would have used that first-round pick. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. with where the Magic mm-hmm. Rat, young players are just so extraordinarily more valuable. Um, but none of those mistakes were killer. And essentially, this year was a free pass. It was literally, I mean, like I said, from the very beginning, Jeff Waltman said this was a year to evaluate things. The evaluation was really code word for, I really can't do anything, so let's just flip over all the contracts another year. Yeah, yeah. So this it, summer, sorry, sorry to uh, this no, you're, summer, you're good. This summer is really the first summer that we can begin evaluating Jeff Wellman and his decisions will actually have consequence. It comes in this draft pick, going to be top five, top six pick again. Got to get that right. Hiring a new coach, whoever. I mean, even keeping Frank Vogel for another year. That's a huge decision. A decision that will set the course of the franchise for the next three years, at least, probably. Mm-hmm. And then signing Aaron Gordon, because that's a huge financial commitment. It ties up your books even further. Um, but for a lot of Magic fans, letting a 22-year-old potential future, future All-Star walk is more of the same. And something, I mean, honestly, fans expect him at this point, expect Tazoni at this point to leave and become an All-Star. I mean, you've got to change that mindset in the fan base too. And, you know, if Gordon doesn't pan out, it's another it's another Bismack Biombo situation. If Gordon leaves and he and he shines elsewhere, it's another Victor Oladipo situation. Uh, and so he's got to make sure that he gets that right one way or the other. Uh, and, and that's going to define a lot of his reign as president of basketball operations. Yeah, yeah absolutely. that's exactly what I was just about to say, is that his evaluation period has ended and the fans now has begun on management. Now we sit and evaluate. Now this is our year of sitting and evaluating. Um, yeah. Yeah, this off season will be huge, um, where we can actually see what he's going to do. Yeah, I think I think people are so focused on the draft, and I'm I'm still sitting here going, I'm I'm more worried about the system. I, I'm 
yep. I, that's what I'm most excited about is me and Andy sit here and we talk and we're like, we want to see like a brand of basketball that Orlando hasn't had in years. That's what we want to see. We want to be yeah. known for something. Like when you come play in Orlando, you know, you're going to play against really tough defense. Yep. You're going to have to go up against Jonathan Isaac, you know, whatever it might be. We've just been missing that. And it's just, it's so empty. There's a zero hope. Yeah, we're, we're becoming one of those. Like, I mean, that's what the national perspective is on the Magic right now, which we're becoming one of those franchises where you almost you're saying like you don't want that player in the draft to go there because there's no, um, you know, system of development for that player. And we cannot get to that point like the, the Magic have to establish that. And I think Frank Vogel has done a good job um, this year, especially uh, of developing um, some of the younger, you know, younger, younger players. But if we're going to switch it over, you know, we, that that has to improve right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's the best place to leave this. Um, I, I mean, I think that yeah. that I mean that's that's where I've stood for a long time, and and I think that that's that's really the heart of of what the Magic have to accomplish this summer and moving forward. Um, guys, uh, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Tell them a little bit about your podcast uh, so they so they can uh, they can listen to to more of you guys. Yeah, you can find us um, on iTunes. We are uh, the Orlando Magic Podcast. Um, you can find us there on, on iTunes and everywhere you. Uh, listen to podcasts and then uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Orlando Magic PC and our, our personal accounts at Andy R. Harrington and, and Steve ST underscore garlic. Yeah, that's a great so, Twitter handle. Thanks, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it is a good one and, and definitely give those guys a listen uh, to do my clothes. Now you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. You can also you can also for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com and of course follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. Coming up today on Orlando Magic Daily, a little bit of a look at the Magic's defense which statistically has looked a little bit better, but may not actually be better. Well, we'll have we'll have that up on orlandomagicdaily.com in the morning on Friday. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank Andy and Steven for coming on the show, discussing and recapping the Magic season as we begin to turn toward the offseason. Until next time, though, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.